Our text this morning is verse 67 to 79. Luke chapter 1, 67 to 79. I'd like to ask that you would stand if you are able as we read from the very word of God this morning. Let us hear as Luke is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Beginning in verse 67, he says this. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we now open your word, we pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would take your word and that you would open our hearts to receive it. Our Lord, we pray for eyes to see and ears to hear this day. Father, would you do a work in each of our lives here this morning through your word as we consider the praise of an aged priest. In the name of Christ, we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. It truly was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Zechariah was an aged priest, well advanced in years, and finally, the lot had fallen to him to go to the temple, to go into service to the temple of God. In fact, to go into the sanctuary, to go into the holy place, and to clean out the altar of incense, to light fresh incense in prayers up to God. There was a lot of priests that served in the temple on a rotation basis in the land of Judah. In fact, scholars estimate 18,000 priests that would give themselves in service. Zachariah's division was up for service and he was chosen by lot to go into the temple. Luke tells us that Zechariah was a righteous man. 
along with his wife, Elizabeth. They walked according to the instruction of the Old Testament, but it was also known that they had no children. Elizabeth was barren. She was past the childbearing years. She was a senior adult. Remind you of anyone from the Old Testament that God so worked through? Maybe Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebecca, Jacob and Rachel. This couple loved the Lord. They served the Lord, Zechariah in the temple, and this special day for him had come. You're familiar with the story as they, Zechariah went into the temple and the angel Gabriel appeared before him in the temple. Zechariah was terrified at this. I imagine he was literally shaking with fear. This was no precious moment sort of angel standing before him. This was the mighty Gabriel. And the first thing that the angel Gabriel said is what angels usually say when they appear to people in the Bible. Do not be afraid. They say that for a reason. People are afraid. Can you imagine Zachariah standing there all alone in this room in the temple? As he was offering up incense, he lit the incense, it began to smoke, to fill the room, to rise up to the Lord in prayer. Standing there shaking at Gabriel, standing right in front of him and telling him that he and Elizabeth would have a child and that he was to name that child John. As you know, Zachariah's response was not the best. Even though he was an obedient believer and a priest, he didn't see how he and his wife could have a baby. He responded to the angel in unbelief. He basically said, how can this be? Don't you know that I'm an old man, Gabriel? Don't you know that Elizabeth is advanced in years and she's barren to begin with? I love the angel's response directly to him in chapter one. The first thing off his lips were, I am Gabriel. I'm an angel that stands in the presence of God. In other words, don't you know who's talking to you? Zechariah was struck mute and it seems deaf also because he didn't believe the word of God sent to him through the angel. He would be mute till the baby was born. Nine months, not being able to speak, not being able to hear. We fast forward to that time of nine months and Elizabeth did give birth to the promised son. On the eighth day of circumcision, they were going to name the child. Of course, Zachariah couldn't speak. And so Elizabeth chimed up and said, his name will be John. Everybody there says, John, John, this is not a family name. Where do you get John? And so they turn and they look at Zechariah. In those days, biblical days, uh, the man is the one that gave the name to the child. He scribbled down 
His name will be John. Wrote it down on a tablet in faith. And immediately after this long period of time, this godly man who had doubted God and his word had his mouth opened and he began to speak and he was able to speak. Now, what was Zechariah going to say? You've been unable to speak for nine months. Let me just tell you, as you well know, whatever is in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. For out of the mouth, the heart speaks. Bitterness doesn't overflow. Anger to God doesn't come out. Annoyance doesn't flow forth. Resentments, none of those things came out. Instead, praise to God burst forth. Let me ask you, why praise? Because Zechariah was seeing what God was doing through his son John and through Jesus. This aged priest understands what is happening. He understands the magnitude of what God is doing. He understands that God is bringing forth the Savior into this world and that he had a part to play in it. Zechariah, the godly priest with a barren wife, had been chosen by God to give birth to the greatest prophet, whom we call John the Baptist. Recorded for us in these verses are the words of this godly man who is praising God. We're going to categorize his song around three main exhortations for us today. They are this, praise God for his redemption. Praise God for showing covenant faithfulness, number two. And number three, praise God for sending John the Baptist to point us to Christ. Let's begin with the first point. It's in verse 68 and 69. Praise God for his redemption. Look at the first recorded words right off of Zechariah's lips in verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Again, praise is the first thing that comes off of his lips. He begins with the same expression. The Apostle Paul opens many of his letters. Blessed be the Lord. Zechariah praises the Lord God of Israel, much like Mary in her opening hymn. Zechariah bursts forth in praise to God, and in short order, he gives why. For he, in the next part of the verse, has visited and redeemed his people. Two things here in this verse that Zechariah attributes God for doing, visiting and redeeming. God had visited his people in that he was looking after them. God was moving. If you know, it had been 400 years since any prophetic word had come from God. 400 years since the closing of the Old Testament. And now God was once again speaking. After this long intertestamental period, now Gabriel broke forth in prophetic silence into this world to Zechariah and Elizabeth and also Mary. God was once again visiting his people. 
You see, we need to learn and be, see afresh from God's word this day that this is exactly what we as sinners need. We need God to come visit us. We need God to come to us. Here's how one pastor put this thought, quote, salvation is not a human invention, but a divine visitation. It's not something we achieve by going to God, but something God has done by coming to us in Christ. God has visited us by putting his son in the virgin's womb. This season, that is what we are celebrating afresh is that God has not left us in our sin, but God has visited us through Christ Jesus. Zechariah also confesses that God has redeemed. Not only has God visited, but God has redeemed. Just like Mary, Zechariah speaks of this future event in the past tense. Jesus had yet to die on the cross for our sins or even to be born. But just as Pastor Adam said last week about the same concept in Mary's, it was to validate the certainty of that activity. Speaking of something in the future, in the past, God was at work redeeming his people. What does it mean to redeem? What action does that describe? Well, to redeem means to liberate to redeem means to set free. In biblical times, it was used of freeing a slave. If you were a slave, you were owned by someone else, and a person would come, and the verbiage used was to set this person free and pay money for them to free them. They would come and redeem the slave. They would set the slave free. The song of Zechariah will spell it out more, but here he is praising God for redeeming his people, setting us free from death, setting us free from sin and the grave. You see, Zechariah praises God for sending the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, to free us from the bondage of sin and who did God come to redeem? The text says he came to redeem his people. He came to die on the cross for his church, both Jew and Gentile. God would call all his people to himself through the Holy Spirit. He came to redeem us. He came to purchase our freedom. Verse 69 continues the praise it says, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Here Jesus is described as a, quote, horn of salvation for us. In the Old Testament, the horn is a symbol of power and a symbol of might. The horn of an animal was its weapon. It was there to go on the offensive and the defensive. We could say that the horn is the business end of the animal. And Jesus here is described of the horn of salvation. That is, he is the might and strength of almighty God and has come to redeem us from sin. Let the redemption that God has provided for you in Jesus fuel your worship of him today. 
God has visited us through sending Jesus Christ to this earth. God has accomplished redemption for us, the forgiveness of sins through sending Jesus Christ. We who once were lost have now been found in Christ. God has come to us. Emmanuel, God with us. Let us praise him afresh this day and this season for sending our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Last phrase of verse 69 kind of transitions and sets the tone for the next verses, bringing up this concept of the promises of the old covenant, which leads us to the second exhortation. Praise God for showing covenant faithfulness. Not only praise God for the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ, but praise God for showing covenant faithfulness. You see, Jesus didn't just show up out of the blue. In both Mary's song of praise and in Zacharias, attention is drawn to the fact that God keeps his promises. Promises from the Old Testament to send forth a savior. In verse 70 to 75, Zechariah calls our attention to two things. The first is this, God's faithfulness in verse 70 to 73. God's faithfulness. Look at it with me, if you will, in the text. Look at verse 70. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. Ever since the fall of man in the garden, God made a promise to send a savior. In Genesis 3.15, we have the first gospel word spoken. God promised to send from the offspring of the woman to crush the head of the serpent. This offspring had now come through Jesus Christ. It's the offspring of Mary. God further funneled from Genesis chapter three his promises through the Jews, the offspring of Abraham, then through the tribe of Judah, then through the lineage of David. Prophets of old, all from the Old Testament, spoke and promised that God would send a savior Moses spoke of the prophet that God would raise up. King David spoke of the one who would sit at God's right hand. Isaiah spoke of the coming Emmanuel, the coming suffering servant. Zechariah spoke of the branch. Jeremiah of the Lord, our righteousness. Ezekiel spoke of the coming shepherd. Daniel spoke of the son of man. Micah spoke of the ruler of Israel and Malachi, the angel of the covenant. God spoke through the prophets of old of a coming of a savior to the world. The text tells us God has remembered his holy covenant and visited his people through the sending of Jesus Christ. Zechariah here says in verse 71 that he saved us from our enemies from the hand of those who hate us. No doubt directly in his mind was salvation, namely from Rome, of how this Jesus would save us from all our enemies, from all of those who hate us. 
Well, the fact of the matter is, is that when Jesus comes again in his second coming, all those who have not bowed the knee to him in this life will be judged and defeated when Christ returns. Zacharias shows and he knows that it's not just freedom politically, but it's freedom from sin. Zechariah's main focus in these verses is on how God keeps his promises. God has made an oath, Zechariah says. And listen, brothers and sisters, God always keeps his promises. Listen, you can trust God. You can trust God. God. Zechariah doubted God at first, didn't he? He didn't believe God's promise to him. He didn't respond like Mary did. A perfect picture of faith came from Mary in her response to the angel. She said, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She simply trusted the word of the angel. But Zechariah came around. He showed his trust in God's promises by doing just that. He named his son John in obedience to the promise that God had made. Oh, God always keeps his promises. Listen, God has also made promises to you today. The same God that gave these promises has also spoken a word of promise to you and to me. God has promised us that if we trust that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and was raised on the third day, that we will be saved from our sins. God promises salvation in Jesus Christ. I simply ask you today, do you believe God's promise? I ask you today, do you trust the word of God? Maybe you're here today and you realize that you are a sinner and that you've broken God's laws and his commandments, and, but maybe you're not trusting that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Listen, the Bible comes forth to you today as it does to all of us and God's word says, confess that you are a sinner. Believe and trust in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that God has provided for you and you will be saved from your sins. God's word holds out a promise to you this very day. Believe in his promise. Listen, God always keeps his word. Trust the word of God. His promise applies to you today. Each and every one of you here, the promises laid out before you. Trust God's word. Confess that you're a sinner and trust and believe in Jesus Christ that he is God's perfect son sent to this earth to die on the cross for your sins. You see, that's really what we gather together to worship God, and especially on this Christmas season, we just gather together to worship and emphasize that God has sent his Savior into this world. 
And we as Christians just praise God for doing that and set aside this time of year for doing just that, for praising God, for keeping his promises by sending a savior. So if you're not trusting in Christ this day, we would implore you, beg you, trust in Christ. He always keeps his promises to forgive you of your sin. Even us as believers need to continue to trust God's promises, don't we? Philippians 1.6, God's word says to us that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. You can trust God's word today. He will do it. When times of doubt arise, when times of unfaithfulness arise, trust in the promise of God. Just as Zechariah in disobedience then turned in obedience to trust God's promises. Oh, believers, God has promised us that nothing in this life can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from him. That's God's promise. Jesus promised us that he will come back to this earth. Jesus promised us through his word that he will not leave us as orphans. Jesus said, and this is a promise, quote, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am you may be also. Listen, God always keeps his promises. He will return. He will give us salvation through Jesus Christ. God is faithful Zechariah calls attention to the faithfulness of God. Second in this text, he calls attention to our obedience. God has saved us so that we might bear fruit. You see, for the believer, our good works do not bring salvation. Rather, our good works evidence salvation in us. This is a biblical principle that we see all over the scriptures and we see it here in this song. Look at the second part of verse 73. To grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. You see, God has redeemed us in order that we might bring him glory and honor by serving him and worshiping him. In fact, how come God leaves us here when he saves us? I used to think first coming to Christ, I was just ready to go to heaven on the spot. I remember where I was sitting on the front row and I was like, this is it, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go to be with the Lord. Just forget this whole earth thing. I am ready to go. But God's word clearly shows us that God has saved us to change us, to live for him, to bring him glory on this earth and to tell others about the Savior. God has redeemed us in order that we might bring him glory and honor through worshiping him. It means something here because Zechariah here is probably in his 70s or in his 80s. And he says that God has saved us to serve him all our days. 
We might say that God used them most in the latter years of their life. God has saved us so that we might serve him. Look at what it says. All our days. You see, obedience is not optional for the believer. We're called to serve God as long as he has given you breath. I'm so encouraged by seeing older believers still growing and serving the Lord, aren't you? I'm so thankful to see people that are older, whatever older means, okay, but, but that's a sliding scale, I know, but whatever older means to, to see older people growing in their faith and serving the Lord and loving the Lord. I'm so encouraged by seeing that. And I thank God for the examples of those of you that are growing and serving God all of your days. You're an example to all of us. Zechariah here is an encouragement to me. He trusted the Lord. The text tells us in chapter one that he was righteous. Not that he was sinless. We know it's not saying that. It means that he was living in obedience, saved by grace to the word of God. He sought to live to the Lord, but he messed up. He messed up. The angel Gabriel stood in front of him and told him what was going to happen and he didn't believe the angel. But God brought him around. He came around. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for that. Sometimes I hear the very clear promise of God and I just doubt and I think we could all say that we, we mess up. We know God's word given to us as promises held up to, but sometimes we just mess up. We miss it. Praise God for this grace and mercy shown to Zechariah. Yes, the Lord struck him mute. Wasn't able to speak for nine months. I don't know how Elizabeth felt about that or not right? Imagine those nine months of time. He, I mean, just imagine that nine months, not being able to hear, not being able to speak, just thinking about what the angel had said to him on that day. But he comes around. He grew in his faith. When the child was born, he saw God answered his promise, and he says, yes, John, John is his name, you see, he grew in his walk. He grew in obedience. And he said we're to serve the Lord all of our days. It's the same call to each of us to live in obedience to him all of our days. May we praise God for his covenant faithfulness. And may we live in obedience to him. You see those two things together in this text that God keeps his promises. Therefore, live in obedience to him. Even as we mess up, may we live in obedience to him. So praise God for his redemption that he has provided for us. Praise God for showing covenant faithfulness that God always keeps his promises. And lastly, praise God for sending John the Baptist 
to point us to Christ. We see this, verse 76 and following. Did you notice the change that takes place from the old prophet Zechariah in verse 76? He turns there to speak about the ministry of his son, John, who was just born. Listen, that order should be instructive for us. First off, Zechariah praises God in all of those verses for the coming birth of Jesus. He's speaking of Jesus in those first verses. After nine months of not being able to speak and having a child miraculously in their old age, he says, hold on, I'm gonna speak about Jesus before I speak about John, my son. He speaks of Jesus first. And then, lastly, he speaks of the ministry of his son, John. You see, even Zechariah understood that John was subordinate to Jesus. Zechariah spoke these words in verse 76 and following, when his son was eight days old. Eight days old. Did Zechariah live long enough to see the ministry of his son, John the Baptist? I don't know, but I doubt it. I doubt it. John, as we know, was around 30-something when he began his ministry. Zechariah, when he wrote these words, was probably in his 70s, maybe in his 80s when John was born. So I doubt he saw the ministry of his son. I believe these words are very emotional words from Zechariah. He's overcome with the knowledge that God is sending Jesus Christ into this world of being able to live in this period of world history where God was once again moving and Zechariah had a part in it, being the father of the great prophet John. He begins to turn that corner. You see it in verse 76, and he says, and you, child, so you can tell he's turning a corner there. Instead of speaking of the coming of Jesus, he now turns, he says, and you, child, that is John, John the Baptist, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. What makes John the Baptist so great? What makes John the Baptist so great is his relation to Jesus Christ. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his people. Zechariah describes what John would do in his ministry. I mean, again, imagine it. He's probably holding his son at this point. Probably holding his eight-day-old baby. And here's what he says, verse 77, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. 
should be of no surprise to us, of course, that these are true words that came true in the ministry of John. They came to pass. John did go before the Lord. John did prepare the way. John did give knowledge of salvation and the forgiveness of their sins. John preached a message of repentance, of turning from sin, of bearing fruit and keeping with repentance. John the Baptist proclaimed when he saw Jesus Christ coming, he pointed his finger, I imagine he pointed his finger, and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Verse 78 speaks of Jesus as the sun, as the sun rising from on high. You see, Jesus is equated with the sun, is related with the literal sun, right? The sun coming and dawning just like the sun comes up in the morning. As the morning dawns, so also salvation has dawned upon this earth through the coming of Jesus Christ. Salvation and the forgiveness of sins rose on high that day. Isaiah 60, verse number one, written hundreds of years before this, says this, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. That light was fulfilled through the coming of Jesus Christ, the sunrise of salvation upon the dawning of human history. The light came to those where? Who were in darkness. The light came to those in darkness and sin. A world of sorrow and misery where Christ arose, the shadow of death, that in this dark place, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, Jesus Christ, salvation, life, eternal hope has come. He came to guide our feet to the way of peace, the way of peace with God. No longer being an enemy of God, but now being an actual child of God through Jesus Christ, our Savior. These are such beautiful words from Zechariah. Maybe they were written on a scroll. Maybe they were memorized and told, no doubt. But one day, this little eight-year-old boy, when this was written, would grow up. Maybe he would read it no doubt he would hear it, these very words from his father. One day, John the Baptist would hear these prophetic words from his dad. What encouragement. What encouragement this must have been in fueling of the work of God in the life of John the Baptist to go forth and proclaim with boldness the forgiveness of sins and a baptism of repentance of Jesus Christ, the one whom John said he's not worthy to even bow down or stoop down and tie his sandals. What a privilege to have the blessing of your father be upon you, calling you and encouraging you to obedience to Christ. 
Listen, children, those of you here this morning that have believing parents, don't take that for granted. One day you will see and know for certain and thank the Lord for believing parents that had pointed you to Christ. No doubt John the Baptist had those thoughts. What made Zachariah so full of joy and praise was the fact that God had visited and he was redeeming his people. God used Zechariah even in his old age to bring forth John the Baptist to prepare the way of Jesus Christ. And that coming of John the Baptist, his ministry could be spoken of in this way, that he pointed people to Jesus. Let us praise God for sending John the Baptist to point us to Christ. John said, he must increase, I must decrease. May we also be that people who point other people to Jesus Christ. To thank God for the people that have pointed us to Christ and in turn, us as believers, to point other people to Christ just as the ministry of John the Baptist. To have our finger, as it were, not maybe literally, but it just to have our finger and to say, this is Christ. God sent Christ to die on the cross for our sins to give us peace. It's the forgiveness of sins that Jesus Christ comes to this earth to give his people. Let's be about the business of pointing people to the Savior just as John the Baptist. We have so much to be thankful for. If we had nothing materially, We have so much to be thankful for. Pray that these verses would fuel our praise to God as we consider what God has done for us. Trust God for salvation. Trust God in your present circumstances. Trust God for your future salvation of when you die or Christ returns. Trust God through all the difficulties in your life. And by God's grace, let us seek to live in obedience to our great King. We have so many reasons to praise God. Praise God for His redemption. Praise God for showing us covenant faithfulness. Praise God for sending John the Baptist who pointed us to Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that speaks to us. Father, thank you that you always keep your promise. Your word never, ever fails. Father, help us see that here this morning, maybe even as there are some who are struggling in doubt, maybe even in fear, maybe some that are not trusting in Christ. Lord, help us to see your beauty that you always keep your promise. You're always faithful to us. We praise you for your redemption. Oh God, we praise you for keeping your word and we praise you for people that point us to Christ. 
We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.